So, making disciples is really fun and also hard. And I think as, as Laura and I were praying about this, you guys, you guys are getting like the, you're getting like the rawness of, Laura and I have been presenting to business owners for the past seven days straight. So we're like, we're, we're, we're in our prime, right? So for the past seven days, we've been doing hour-long seminars with business owners together. So we've been doing a lot of live stuff together. So this is going to be fun. Um, but really, um, our heart here today is to talk about what God is doing so we'll kind of start at the top of like, picture like a cake funnel, right? Like we'll start at the way top and kind of narrow it down, right? And so starting at the top, as we've been praying, I've just been thinking about what the Lord has been saying to us collectively. I think in my heart is someone who has a, a deep value for the prophetic word of God. And I feel like the Lord is saying that he's stretching us, that he's stretching us to go deeper, to go further. And I think... I always, I remember when Laura and I first started dating, oh my gosh, it's been like 10 years now, um, 10 years ago, her dad would sit and he'd watch Star Trek. Does anybody remember the intro to Star Trek? Does anybody know it? You don't remember it word for word? Okay. Yeah. So it says, space, the new frontier, right? A five-year mission to go where no man has gone before, right? And you know, it talks about new life and new creatures, right? And it's like, man, what if our kingdom call as children of God was to go where no man has gone before, right? And I really think that's a part of today's call to make disciples is it's going to stretch us, right? I know for the people that walk closely to Laura and I, we've had these conversations about stretching, about what that looks like. And so I wanted to start with the verse of the parables of the minas, So if I flip that slide here, that is Luke 19, 11 through 25. So if somebody wants to read that out, that would be helpful. Um, That one was so long, it would have taken like six slides to put on. So if somebody can open up Luke 19, 11 through 25, we can jump in and go through the meat of this. Um, I think it, it talks a lot about stretching. So Carl, I know you were there, so... um, Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then he came, then came the first, saying, Master, your mine has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mine has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. 
Why then did you not put my money in the bank? Then at my coming, I might have had collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the miner from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Is that 24? Oh, but they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Do you want me to take it to 26? Yeah, I think it's 26. Okay. <laughs> For I say to you, that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who, ad- who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring, the, bring here these enemies of mine and, uh, who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. So I think this, this verse is just interesting. I remember we did a series on like um, just breaking the mindsets of financial doubt I remember we did it with Mitch and Carolyn and a few others in our house. And this was the verse that kept coming up because it's very, it's very different than um, the parables of the talents in the sense of like when people are faithful, God rewards them with more responsibility. So I think as we follow Jesus together and as we've been faithful, I know what the family union Brad was talking about. It's been 10 years since we collectively have been AOX. And I think as we're faithful, God gives us more responsibility. And you see this as you get married, right, Mike and Sierra? As you have kids, you see that God gives you more responsibility as you're faithful with what's in front of you. And so I think part of the stretching for many of us is that call to make disciples, right? Anna did such a good job bringing the heart of like, man, we're not meant to be orphaned, right? What Lee said, we're not meant to be orphaned. Right, what Brad was talking about, the call to stretch our lives to look more like Jesus. I know for me, I remember growing up, I didn't grow up in the church, right? And so for me, I'd been to church four times before the age of 18, twice for a funeral and twice to go to Catholic Mass. And I remember sitting there both times thinking, and this is an odd thought as like an eight-year-old, I, like, I felt the presence of God every single time I went into a church building. It was very odd. And then I felt like, man, I could, I could be up there teaching this like Catholic church that I had never been to. I recognized that God was real, but I never knew where to find him, right? And so I remember turning 18, and I remember um, I was telling Katie the other day, like, let me think. So I went to college, right? This was like freshman year, right? And about two weeks in, somebody's like, come to church with me. So what are we now? We're like, you know, mid-September, right? Um, and so I went to church for a week or two. And then mid-October, around my birthday, they were doing baptisms. So I was like, well, guess I'm going to get baptized, right? I've been there for like two weeks. Went there twice in the, in the past month. And I just recognize this, that God is always calling us near him, right? So I think part of this call to make disciples and even the call to preach the gospel is that God is calling us near to him. Does that make sense? Does that connect with you? I think for many of us, God is stretching us to ask us, what can we do with what's in front of us, right? What do you have in front of you? Do you have five minus? Do you have 10 minus? You know, do you have $100? It's not even necessarily finances, but what do you have in front of you that you can steward well? Because when you're faithful, God gives you more responsibility to do more well. And I think for some people, it's like, man, responsibility, that's stressful. But it's like good because we're being good stewards of what God has for us. And I think the next slide here, um, I think it's really important to think about how we see discipleship, right? 
think about this verse. If anyone is in Christ, they are a what? New creation. But what's the verse before that? It's this one, right? Therefore, from now on, we record no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I think often we all know that verse, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new, right? But we don't recognize the verse before that. Before you're a new creation, right? Not before, but before this verse comes, there's this idea that we don't hold each other according to what has been. We hold each other to where things are going. So as you gain more responsibility in stewarding the kingdom, as God is stretching you, it's like, who are our brothers and sisters becoming, right? Because then we can see it in each other and call it out, right? I was talking to Trudy the other day. We were talking about how much God loves Trudy and how much God has always loved Trudy and how he continues to love her and show himself to her, right? That's true, not just for Trudy, but for Monica and for Paul and for Sierra and for Mike and for Abigail, right? It's true for all of us, this reality that as we connect with him and as we know him more, we get made new again and again. And hopefully what that calls us to do is it calls us to take our responsibility seriously. Now listen to me. Some of you may say, man, I feel really hurt. I need heart healing. I feel stuck. I don't want you to take responsibility as like this ultimatum, right? Of like, I have to just keep taking on more things. That's, that's not healthy. But I think, so if you're in a place where you feel like, man, I got to go get some healing for things inside of my heart, do that. But for some of us, there's a place where we need to step into a greater responsibility to lead, to love, right, and to make disciples. And so Laura's going to share with you some practicals and just some stories on how to do that. But I want to kind of take it back to what Brad's been talking about. So remember the first week before family reunion, he talked about the foundation is Jesus, right? If we go about making disciples without knowing the foundation is Jesus, then we just make a lot more work for ourselves, right? We make that responsibility into something that we have to do instead of something we choose to do. And then the second week was all about love. If we speak truth but have not love, we're a clanging symbol, right? And then the third week was all about the importance of the good news, right? So you often hear people say, Jesus died on this cross for my sins. And that's true, right? But it's more than that. He's come to give you life and life abundantly. And I'm sure that's not always easy. I'm not here to like pump you up and be like, this is so easy, just go out and do it. Because if we're that simple, we'd all just do it, right? It's like what Brad just said, that the reality is that everyone, many of us, not everyone, many of us want to share our faith, but don't know how. And part of making disciples is being confident, right? That's why we're doing Life in the Grove, for those of you who are part of that, to be confident to make disciples. And so, Laura, I know <laughs> we've had a lot of experience. And so I wanted to start at the top and kind of tell you what I see the Lord doing I think for many of us, there's like this, there's this stretching, right? Stretching is uncomfortable, right? But it's also a part of growing up and maturing. And so I'm not saying it's easy. I think you're going to talk about the hard moments that it's been, but this importance of stretching. And so is there a slide for? Yeah, go to the next slide. Okay, so we wanted to talk about um, who all can make disciples, you know, obviously it's something that we're all called to do. And I think that this is really important. As I was just praying through this, God just kept highlighting how, you know, 
we don't go alone when we're called to make disciples. You know, God is always with us, and hopefully we have other people around us supporting us, you know, that we can get people plugged into and they can be doing it with us. But this verse was something that he highlighted to me. It's Acts 4, 13, and I'm going to read it quick. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So when we go to make disciples, you know, God is with us. That's like the reality. So we don't have to feel like we have to know everything or, you know, like be mature enough. You know, I'm going to talk about different pitfalls that we can run into and the way the enemy can kind of lie to us and make us feel like, oh, you're not good enough. You don't know enough. You know, you're not mature enough. You don't have enough experience. You can't do this. You failed in the past, all these different ways. But the reality is that Jesus is with us. We're going with Jesus. So that's the important thing. That's the thing that matters, you know, just walking step in step with the the Holy Spirit, like that song that we sang this morning, Wrap Me in Your Arms, you know, it comes out of that place of intimacy, that place of overflow with our relationship with Jesus. And the times when we've discipled and it's been, I think the best is when we're, we're walking step in step with Jesus, step in step with other people, you know, step in step with the community. We have people surrounding us that we're able to disciple others with and not just have it fall on us yeah and those have been the best yeah. times that we've had the most I guess successful yeah I think a good question has anybody either wanted to or has ever made a disciple so either you want to or you have right so I think many 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 of us right many of the adults in the room obviously kids haven't made disciples yet but mostly every hand went up right so there's this recognition that it's important to Make a disciple. What, what does that word mean? Does anybody know what disciple means, right? I think we use it in kind of, I heard somebody. Follower. Mm-hmm. Follower, yep. Any other? Apprentice. Apprentice, yes. I've heard the word apprentice interchange for that sometimes. Any other thoughts? Believer. Yeah, believer, right? Under the teaching of someone, right? Mm-hmm. Student. And so, disciplined, right? Paul says it this way. He says, I think, I don't know, I don't recall exactly, I didn't plan on sharing this part, so I don't recall exactly what church he's talking to. But he says, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? And so, I think it's really, it's really not difficult to think, okay, I mean, this was really, this was so easy to think about in a college context, right, when we were in school. It's like, hey, I'm an RA. You don't have to have a title, right? I'm an RA. Like, let me invite some of my guys on my floor to, like, walk with Jesus. Or let me try to stir them up in their faith. Or let me talk to them about the faith they don't have, right? And, like, encourage them to be like, man, this is the life that I live. Do you want to walk this with me, right? We can do that in our job. We can do that with our friends, right? And so, who can make disciples, Laura? I think everyone, this is- yeah. Everyone that's following Jesus. What's a call that, you know, there isn't any, aren't any strings attached to it. God doesn't say you have to, you know, be this mature. You have to, you know, be a church pastor to have this level of education. You know, the qualification here is that they were with Jesus. They knew Jesus. They were following Jesus. And people realize that and recognize that. So, it didn't matter that they were untrained and ordinary men, you know. It mattered that they were with Jesus. So, that's ultimately where our authority comes from. Does anybody ever feel like they feel intimidated to make disciples? Just be honest, be raw. Um, is there any ever intimidation to make disciples? I can tell you some thoughts that I have. <laughs> well, uh, when I didn't understand what it was, then I was intimidated. Why? Because I thought you had to like get people that you didn't know, and then you had to somehow convince them to hang out with you. 
So what do you think it is instead of that? I think it's the people in your, the people in your sphere, the people that God gives you. It's your friends. It's your, it's your wife. It's your, um, it's your children. It's the, the, the roommate that lives with you. It's um, your friends. Yeah, that God gives you. It's your sphere. You're not. You don't. God, they're in your sphere already. Yeah, I think. I think we make discipleship too complicated sometimes, right? If Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus, how do we invite people to follow Jesus as we're walking with him, right? And so our, our group is pretty eclectic here. We have people in college, right? We have people who are newly married. We have people who have been married for quite a long time. So I'm sure that experiences look different, right? Nick and Trudy and, you know, Carl and Stephanie than it has for, let's say, you know, Ben and Jesse, right? Different stage of life. And so... Do you feel like there's, as you guys have made disciples throughout the years, do you feel like there's things that have changed in your mindset, let's say, true to your Nick, than maybe what you thought when you were 25? I think this is very true, that I probably always thought the same thing, that you go through that, like, oh, I've got to find somebody, then it's all up to me. I've got to lead them to the Lord. Then I have to be with them four times a week and make sure they're learning the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation and that you, you know, they end up being the Pope or something, you know. <laughs> and, and that's impossible, and, and Jesus didn't do that. So that's what I loved about Brad's book, Culture of the Few, that, that it really pointed out Jesus said, just follow me. And so it all is just incidental and simple, I th- the older I get, the more I realize God made this instruction book of the Bible really, really simple. He doesn't want it to be complex because he wants it to be uh, repeatable and, and that you can, can do it over and over and without it being difficult and without you having to change your personality or think you have to. Here's another thing. You have to get some kind of a preacher voice on. You got to talk like this. You know, we, huh, Brad? <laughs> we should have. <laughs> All right. So um, anyway, it's just, just to be relaxed and flow. Here, Mr. Manzo. <laughs> Having grown up in a liturgical church, Uh, things were very formal. And so even as we journeyed through to other uh, churches and uh, mostly denominational churches, um, that formality was a part of who I was and how I understood God and how I thought uh, I needed to disciple people. And uh, it's been a process of learning. It's a relationship. It's, as everyone here is saying, it's living life and just showing them how to live uh, and sharing who Christ is. And, and as you share him, they learn his character, and that forms their lives. I mean, think about it, right? These untrained, ordinary men turned the world upside down, and what did they really know, right? All they had done is they had been with Jesus, Right. And so I think if we overcomplicate it, we try to figure out the exact process to make disciples. But really, I think the question 
for all of us is have we been with Jesus? Have we spent time with him? And I think spending time with him, not always, right? We don't always have some amazing encounter, but once in a while, right? John Weisman says the small glimpses of Jesus, right? Once in a while, we get this glimpse of the ridiculousness, the ludicrousness of his goodness, and it impacts us in a way that we want to share it with others. And so, yeah, go to the next slide. Next slide. Um, so this is the Great Commission. Obviously, I'm sure we're all familiar with it, but I think something that stuck out to me just recently has been uh, the last part of it where God says, or Jesus is speaking, he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it's like Derek's talking about overcomplicating it and, you know, trying to perfect some process. And it's just like, you know, we're supposed to go with Jesus. You know, that's going to look different, different times, you know, different seasons of life, different people that we meet. It's going to look different. But the fact that he's always with us, that's such a great comfort. And that that's really what should empower us, you know, to go out and share and just like, Trudy was talking about just be ourselves, you know, naturally, and then just letting the Holy Spirit, God, flow out of who we are, put himself on display through us. You know, it really is, that sounds so simple. I know it's difficult to do, but that's, that's really what it is, just our relationship with Jesus being put on display, his goodness, his power, his love, his authority. Um, yeah, there, there, that's all that's to it, really. Yeah, I think it's important to just... Um, Brad writes about this in Culture of the Few, to look for who's looking, right? Often we're like, how do we make disciples? I'm not really sure where to start. Do I need to like go walk down the street and see somebody in a tough place and then call them to follow me? Maybe. But like often it's who's, who's hungry, right? I mean, think about it. I was a college kid. Um, I went to college. I looked this girl in the face and I said, she's like, I'm going to church tomorrow. I said, please, can I come with you, please? And she, she looked at me like, what are you talking about? And she quoted the stat to me of like, you recognize that most people come to college and lose their faith, not gain their faith. And I was like, no, her name is Caitlin. I said, no, Caitlin, you don't understand. I've been looking for this in my entire life and I didn't know where to find it. Can I come with you? And then I went for a couple of weeks and I was like, man, I don't know where God is, but he's, he may have been there, right? I'm not saying that church was bad, but he wasn't there. And then I met Ben's wife, Jessie, and she came to this little prayer meeting. It was like me and three girls, right? And it was me and like three elementary ed majors. We were all studying to be a teacher. And this one girl was sick. And Jesse said, can we pray for this girl who's sick? And I was like, man, that's, that's like what I want, right? Like, where, where'd this girl come from? Like, why don't we do that more often? Like, it felt like I was, I was looking for the power of God to move. But all I was used to, I mean, I had led kids ministry for that past month at that church. And I was just like, I'm kind of bored. Like, I don't, not that this is bad, but they were debating back and forth about how they felt about the Holy Spirit. And it just wasn't, it wasn't, I was looking for something and I didn't know where to find it. I'd been looking for 20 years, right? I went to school to get a literary major because I thought maybe if I read enough books, I'll find God, right? Maybe if I take enough philosophy classes, I'll find God, right? And I still never found him. And suddenly my roommate was like, stay back and play video games. But I chose to go to this little tiny prayer meeting, this Bible study and met Jesse and my life was changed forever by being faithful right? And I think sometimes we think you need to like walk out on the street and get this deep word from the Lord and walk up to this person. No, her friend, her friend just invited Jesse to come to this Bible study and share a couple words that she, you know, share a couple scriptures. And we read a couple. It wasn't super fantastic. It was just being faithful, right? And so my life was forever changed by somebody being faithful by what's in front of them. And so I think often 
We tried to make it so complicated, but Jesus had 12 untrained and ordinary men, all who were probably fishermen, all probably from Judea or, you know, the Sea of Galilee or close to that area. You know, they weren't all from throughout the world. They were 12 ordinary men who changed the world. And so I want you to think about that and where we started, right? We started with God is stretching us. He's giving us more responsibility to steward his kingdom well. And then we talked about, right, we cannot see each other according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Why? Because that's how God sees us, right? God's not up there wringing his hands thinking, man, I wish Mike would have done this better. I just can't believe Mike does it this way. Like, he's such a failure. Like, that's not what God thinks. And we can't see each other that way because then how do we bring heaven to earth, right? That's the Lord's prayers, on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want you to be thinking about as God is stretching us collectively, right, to go where we've never gone before, it's going to require us to step up to new things we've never done before. And part of that is recognizing that we need to see each other according to the Spirit, right? When Brad asked last week, um, and in some of our Life in the Grove groups, how many of you know what's inside of you? And every hand went up. But very few of us knew how to articulate it or were uncomfortable sharing it. And I get that, right? I understand. But it's like, man, what does it look like for all of us to come more alive? And I know that's so generic. You're like, oh, that's, I don't know how that fits to me. But the point is, like, today, after this, when you go home, eat your lunch, take your nap, it's Sunday, right? Rest. When you do those things, be asking the Lord what he's doing and how you can partner with it. It's that simple. I think that's how the Lord leads us closer in discipleship, right? We're going to go now and take it deeper into the, the practicals of what this has looked like in our lives. But I want you to be thinking about, okay, Lord, how can I partner with you and what you're doing and the responsibilities that we have? Because if we think, like, you know, as we have two kids, if we think, oh, this is a burden instead of a responsibility that we chose— then I think we've missed the mark on the choices we've made, right? Often people can be like, oh, my degree, you know, going to college is a burden. Well, did you make that choice? Some of you may not have. Your parents may have made you go, right? But for many of us, we make choices and then later think those, like we start to regret those choices and complain about those choices. And I get that. If we have hurt, like let's, let's walk through it and work through it. But for a lot of us, like, how do we own those choices well and partner with God? I think that's how we see the gospel spread, and that's how we see disciples made. So, Laura, talk to us about common pitfalls um, in this process. Well, first, I wanted to just bring up something that Paul had mentioned, because he was talking about, you know, who do you disciple? What does that look like? And he had mentioned um, your sphere of influence, and basically it's this idea of, you know, no matter what phase of life you're in, I know we all are different phases and stages of life, you know, it's like, who's watching you? Who is your life who are you influencing? You know, can that story of in the Bible of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was climbing a tree, you know, to see Jesus, you know, so who's who's watching your life? You know, I'm sure, you know, is it maybe your your grandkids, your, you know, roommates, friends that you have on campus, your children, you know, if you're parents. Um, there's no matter what season of life you're in, there's somebody that is being impacted and somebody that I'm sure you can you know, invite to follow Jesus with you. So I wanted to talk about some of the pitfalls that we've been through as we've done this this process over the years, and also we've seen, we've, we've heard other people say similar mm-hmm. things as mm-hmm. well. And the first one that I think is pretty common is, well, I don't know enough to make disciples, or I'm not mature enough. 
Um, I'm still struggling with things with myself. You know, I don't feel like I have my life together. I can't make disciples. And I think that's something that's a trap that anyone can fall into at any point in their lives. Just recently, I found myself feeling that way. Like, I'm going to go make more disciples. Okay, what do I actually have to offer somebody? You know, and it's just that idea of, well, we're going to go with Jesus. I don't have to have it all figured out. Because really, if when I have a discipling relationship that I'm starting and people are coming to me because they think I have all the answers, well, that's not good. They're either going to end up relying on me too much. And when I should be telling them, you know, go to the Bible, what does the Bible say? Ask the Holy Spirit. You know, I should be teaching them how to hear the Lord themselves instead of just having them come to me for all the answers. Or at some point, they're going to get disappointed and realize I don't have all the answers. I don't have, you know, everything figured out. Uh, And so that's a a pitfall that we've seen. And it's something that you know, you're not supposed to have all the answers. If there's, you know, a question comes up and you don't have the answer, then say, hey, can we look at it in the Bible together? Can we study it? Can we figure this out? Or hopefully you have, you know, a group of people around that you can invite them and you can do it together as a group. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is don't know enough, right? So, I mean, here's the practical example I think of of this. Um, Laura and I spent a lot of time with a, a widow who had four young children, right? And so some of you are around for that season. But it was Laura and me and Mitch and Bear. (laughs) And Mitch wasn't married yet. Uh, Well, at least remarried yet. And um, really, how do we love this widow with four kids, right? That everything seemed crazy. There's all these dishes everywhere. And it's like, how do we, we don't, I don't know enough. Like, I don't, I don't know enough. I'm not, you know, she was in her mid forties, right? And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to speak to this woman in her situation. So a lot of times we'd go over, help her clean her house, right? Help her figure out ways to pay her rent, let her borrow our car, give her rides places, right? Um, somebody helped, somebody came and helped us fix her car, right? And it was just these small moments where there were moments where we were in her living room and we'd pray and she'd tell stories of Jesus just encountering her. But often it was just being sharing life, right? That's a, I feel like we could do a whole nother second teaching on just the shared life, right? The practical ways to make disciples. But um, I think staying with the call, right? That call to make disciples is just, just inviting people to do life with you. Brad always says it's as simple as he has to do the dishes, inviting somebody to do the dishes with him. Sometimes I'm like Sierra, I'd rather just put some headphones in and do the dishes, right? Because I'm trying to listen to a podcast or music or whatever. But I think it's super practical to invite people to do what you're doing and go where you're going. Um, I also have a huge value, hear me, for spending time alone with the Father. So I don't want you to think, oh, I just need to invite people into everything that I'm doing. I've done that before. It's not great. So um, obviously everything intention, right? But it's really important to invite people to walk with you in your journey. So I think of her and her four kids. Um, I saw her last August in Ace Hardware. I was getting stuff to build a fence, and she was, like, floored. She, you know, I think you don't realize the moments of impact that your life has until you see somebody in Ace Hardware, and she's like, I still remember how impactful every time you guys came over for that year. It changed my life forever. Like, I wasn't asking her anything. I was like, hey, how are you, right? It wasn't super deep. Like, tell me what God is doing. And she just said, she said, I want to get back to knowing God the way I did then. Like, would you guys ever come visit me? Or like, could we hang out sometime? Or could we get on the phone? Like, I didn't prompt anything, right? I wasn't asking questions. I was just there buying some lumber, right? It was like me and Laura's dad or something. Like, it wasn't, or no, it was Angie and I. Angie and I were there buying lumber. Um, and Angie's like, who's that lady? And I was like, well, let me tell you. 
And so it was a cool moment of Angie and I walking together, buying some lumber. I have no idea why Angie was there, but we were buying lumber and we saw this, we saw this lady and that we loved, right? Yeah. And it's just like, man, God is so faithful even when I didn't think I knew enough. And then another pitfall that we can often fall into is, well, I'm not in the right season of life. You know, I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. We have little kids. Or if you're a college student, I know you're busy with a lot of things. And like Derek was talking about, sometimes it's just about stretching. You know, what can we lay down that we're doing that maybe isn't fruitful? Maybe God hasn't called us to do. And what are those things that we can pick up that he has actually called us to do? Like be intentional about getting in the word with other people, you know, making disciples, um, sometimes you just have to lay something down or you have to stretch and it might be uncomfortable, but that's Jesus' call to follow him is pick up your cross, follow me, you know, deny yourself. There's definitely a real aspect of that when it comes to making disciples. That's very true. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to follow Jesus. It's not convenient. It doesn't fit in my schedule in the way that I always want to do things or the way that I think things should be done. So there is definitely that at inconvenient aspects, and regardless of what season of life you're in, I'm sure there's, you know, some way that you can meet with people, even if it's just for an hour, or, you know, like Derek was talking about, just invite somebody to run an errand with you, or have somebody over when you're washing dishes, or taking care of your kids, um, and just be sharing life with them, and, you know, be in the Word, be encouraging them. Um, There's just a lot of different practical ways to do that, no matter what season of life you're in. Yeah, I think it's easy... Um, Lauren, you and I talk about this a lot. I think it's easy to think, oh, I just, you know, I think we've had seasons where we're spending a lot of time with people and then it's like, oh, we need to go the exact opposite way and like be just us forever, right? And I think it's like, man, God is so much not in the pendulum shifts of our life, right? Like he doesn't want us just to go from one extreme to the other. And I think often when we overdo something, our tendency, so let's say, you know, um, John Pax and I are praying every Friday for a while, right? I could have just said one day to to John, I could have said, John, I'm done. Like, that's it. Like, this is too much on my schedule, right? But instead, it's like, man, John and I took a week or two off. We came back and prayed more, right? We're going to get back into that soon. But the point is, like, I think sometimes we go from such extremes to such extremes, right? And we suddenly feel burdened by the things that are in front of us. But it's like, maybe, maybe we are taking on too much. That's real, right? But other times, I think, we need to recognize what is the Lord doing in this season and how do we partner with it? I think so often it's easy to go from one end to the other. Like it's just me and Jesus or it's just me and my wife and Jesus or it's just like, or it's me and everybody else, right? And I think God doesn't think about priorities that way, right? God values relationship. And so I think for a lot of you, whether you're dating someone or you're married or you have kids, like you wouldn't sacrifice those relationships, but often it's so easy to, to almost prioritize our life, like it's me and Jesus, me and my spouse, me and my spouse and my kids, then my work, then like uh, uh, friendships, then disciples. Well, I don't think you're ever gonna make disciples if that's number seven on your list, right? Because we always are prioritizing like top down. And it's like, man, what if it's more circular? What if it's like, sometimes I need to love Laura really well. Other times I need to like, recognize that Dan and Steph are moving. And Laura, I know we planned a date day, but like, can we do this next Thursday instead? And I can go help Dan and Steph. If she's like, heck no, I need you to spend time with me. And it's like, hey, sorry, Dan. Like, I got to spend time with my wife. Like, sorry. But often it's how do, we, how do we rearrange our lives to let God move? And I think often the world has taught us that priorities are pretty straightforward, hierarchy down. 
And I just don't know if that's how Jesus spent his time, right? Think about him when he's praying after he was with the crowd of 5,000. He's up on the mountain, and they say, they say to him, more are coming. And at the one point, he says, well, I got to go on to the next city. Other times, he goes and invests in the very people that are coming to look for him. When he was spending time with the Father, he could have said, nope, I have 8 to 9 a.m. scheduled to meet with the Father, and... Uh, that's not on my schedule. I got to go. And he does do that sometimes. But other times, he goes and has compassion on them. And so I think that's important to be thinking about in terms of season. And then the next pitfall is um, I'm not healthy enough. You know, I, I'm in a season where I'm dealing with trauma or I'm dealing with something. And I think sometimes that is very true and that is legitimate. Like earlier this Absolutely. year, I walked through a, a very rough season of my life and I was definitely not in a place where I could have and making disciples and that be a good, healthy thing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we do. We need to prioritize us getting healthy first, the heart healing, um, go through that process before we're able to reach out and do that. But if we find that we're always in a season where that's always the case in our lives no matter what, then I think that that's an issue and that could be where God's calling us to stretch and grow. And no, you can reach out. You know, you do have something to give. You know, you have a relationship with Jesus. You have experience. You have, you know, knowledge of the Bible that you can share. You have something that you can give to other people. So what, you know, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for a lot of us, it's just taking time to, um, I know for me, it's taking time to think about like, what, what am I wasting a bunch of time on? Because usually there's something, I mean, my iPhone now tells me, hey, you're watching YouTube too much, or hey, you're doing this too much, right? And sometimes it's, it's easy to think about like, okay, for some of us, you may just need to stop and you may need to think about that stretching word and be like, no, I need to go like spend some time with the Lord and get some people to pray with me. And I need to like, it's, I need to work through my hurts. For others of us, it's just like, man, are there places where we're making our lives too about us? And I think that that goes to your point about not healthy enough is sometimes I think we're just prioritizing the wrong things. When we can feel like we're too busy or too overwhelmed, I think sometimes we're just prioritizing the wrong things. So. I also think in the not healthy enough space, and it, again, as you're having relationships, um, if you realize there's something that God's wanting to highlight, that's not necessarily the time to run out and start new relationships. But I think it's, I, I just know this has been true in my life, and I think it's, um, I think this fits in with what we would believe about the teachings of the New Testament. You don't have to be the source of, you don't have to always be the giver in the relationship. So if you recognize there's something that like, man, I'm not healthy right now, God resists us in our pride, and sometimes in discipleship, you feel like you have to have it all together for somebody else. But there's actually a lot of grace that happens whenever we say, man, can, we, can you pray for me? Like, I'm really struggling today. You know, I had, a, I had a conversation with Cody yesterday morning, and just was sharing some things that have come up this week with my foot. And just, like, talking about anxiety. It was kind of crazy because Cody was telling me he was having, like, the best week that he's had in a long time. And I just thought, like, oh, I don't really want to tell him that I'm not doing that great. But that would have been the exact wrong thing to do, right? Because that would be about, like, me needing to – I'm not the one who needs to preserve Cody. And I don't have to be in a place where I always am the person who has something for Cody. But in me just saying to Cody, like, man, I'm actually – can we talk about this? Because this is where I'm at. Um, so I think that if you're not in a healthy season, the answer is not to withdraw by yourself. Um, I don't think ever in the New Testament is to feel like you have to go and figure that out by yourself. Um, depending on the relationship, I think it's really important overall in discipleship not to disciple people by yourself. 
you know, if, like if, if it's just my disciple and nobody else knows them, that, that makes these situations very dangerous because you feel like, oh, you know, I'm the only person who can be there for Tim. And if I'm not able to be strong enough, then all the pressure comes on me. But if like we can have relationships, we're intentional about discipleship, but we're not discipling people to ourselves. We're discipling people to Jesus together with other people. I just wanted to stop here and say, when you're not healthy enough is a great time to disciple. And the way that you disciple them is by modeling humility and saying, hey, I need you to pray with me. Hey, I need, can we, can we pray into whatever the situation is and, and not feeling like you have to be the person who has it all together because none of us do. And we're never, I don't think we'll ever get to the place where we don't need God's grace. And so it's just really important to recognize that's not a criteria for making disciples is being in a place where you don't have any needs. And then um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, because this has kind of been my, my journey, I think with discipleship is just something sometimes you can feel disqualified because you maybe had failed past discipleship relationships. And that's something that Derek has kind of challenged me on the way that I see things because I'm very outcome-oriented, very results-oriented. And so I kind of tend to think of things as either success or failure instead of looking at as, well, this person's still on a journey. You know, they might not be following Jesus. They might have made different choices than what was good for them. But there's still hope. God can still redeem that, that relationship. You know, the relationship isn't over. Um, there's that verse in, I think it's Philippians 1.6 that says that, you know, God will be faithful to finish the good work that he has started in us. You know, ultimately, it, it's his. It's his journey, you know. Sometimes I feel like we can fall in this, this trap of feeling responsible for every decision that someone makes if you're discipling. And, you know, you can end up feeling like a failure when the person makes decisions that aren't good for them or goes in a different direction. You know, if they're not following Jesus anymore, we can feel responsible for that. But really, when we had time with that person, you know, um, if we were faithful to do the things that God was calling us to do, then God doesn't hold us accountable for those person, you know, that person's bad decisions or um, whatever the outcome of that might have been. I think we kind of need to let go of that and look at more of a, a journey perspective and realize that there's always hope for redemption. We can keep praying for that person. You know, we can keep talking with them. We can keep sharing the gospel with them and look at it as less of a success or failure kind of idea. And that's something that I know you're good at looking at. Derek, I don't know if you want to yeah, share I the mean, story of Justin. Or. Yeah, so Brad was talking about how he went to Sean and Skyler's uh, game when he was, you know, those were some of the some of the folks they hung around in Elwood. And so Sean lived with us for a while. Um, and Sean worked at Pizza Hut. And we went and did a community dinner at Pizza Hut. And so when we did, this lady called the AOX number. Nobody ever calls the AOX number. And so Brad's like, why don't you pick it up? I'm like, uh, we haven't had a phone call in like six months. I don't know who this is going to be. And so I pick up the phone and she's like, do you guys still do that community dinner thing I see on your website? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, actually, it's tonight at 6 p.m. and we're doing a Pizza Hut. She's like, can I bring my nephew? I was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, and so she brings her nephew. He's got like this super long, dark hair and, you know, those great pants with the nice chains on them. And they kind of, you know, they're a little bit of flood pants. And, you know, he just looks super sad. And I was like, well, I'm going to sit across from this guy. And I like to learn people's stories. So I just started asking questions. And he's like, well, I believe in Zeus and uh, Thor and Jesus is cool. And 
So we just started playing video games. He liked Mario Kart. And so we just sat and played some Mario Kart. We invited him over to our house and played Mario Kart. And there was this other Pakistani. I got a goth dude and a Pakistani dude in my room, like in our house. And, and Sean, who's like this big burly dude, right, who is like, who's, who's just like this super tough. Uh, he acts like he's a super tough guy. He's like the most <laughs> nicest guy in the world. But the super tough guy all sitting in my room playing Mario Kart together. And I was like, this is the weirdest life ever. And so... One night after Mario Kart, Justin's like, can we talk about this Jesus thing? And we just started talking about Thor and Jesus and Zeus and, you know. And I was like, what if God, like, deeply loves you and all? Like, he had a hard growing up, right? Like, his life was tough. And he was like, yeah, like, God might really love me. Like, he's like, Brad worshiped the other day, and I sat there, and I weeped, and I've never cried in a long time, and I don't know what's going on. And we we baptized him on our front porch with a bucket of water and like he started following Jesus and then he needed a job, but he couldn't get hired anywhere. So he started working with our company and it was hard. That's like losing money and losing patience, right? And I was like, oh no. And so it, it was not the easiest thing in the world at all. And I remember we had to sit with him. I'll tell you this quick story and then I'll tell you where we're, we're going. Cody and I sat with him in the skyscraper or whatever it's called, 117 Grant Street, which is Cody and I. And uh, Cody's a very, like, Cody likes to follow his, like, his streamlined thinking, which is what I love about Cody. Cody's able to connect things together super deeply. But Justin just refused to pay his rent. It was like 600 bucks a month, right? Because he wanted to buy a guitar amp. He was like, I need to buy an amp. I don't want to pay rent because I need to buy this amp, right? And Cody was like, that's stupid, dude. Like, why? Like, come on, man. Like, you got to get it, right? Like, why don't you just pay rent? Like, it's obviously the right choice. But to Justin, it was like, no, I need this amp, man. Like, I want to be a rock star. Like, I need this amp. And there's just those moments where you recognize that how do I be present with a person, even if they're being dumb, right, as some of you would say, if they're being illogical, right, if they don't know what's going on, if they're being, you know, if they got demons and things wrestling them, right? Like, we were just present. It wasn't easy. And eventually he left and he cussed Brad and I out on the porch, and Cody sat, watched. Cody just sat and kind of watched. It kind of looked like Cody was eating popcorn, but he wasn't. In my head, he was. He just kind of popping back the popcorn, like, hey, how's this going to go? But he actually just sat up there and was watching. Um, but it wasn't, I remember walking home that day thinking, like, wow, I either screwed up or I'm in an invitation for God to do something really big, right? And so about three weeks ago, I got a Facebook Messenger from Justin, right? We've communicated a little bit back and forth. And he said, hey, my fiance doesn't really like you guys. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I'm not supposed to call you, but can I call you in like 15 minutes? This is like, 10, this is like 1045 at night. He's like, can I call you before I get married tomorrow? And can you and Laura pray for me? Because I want to get married and I want you guys to bless it. And I was like, yeah, call me when you can. And it doesn't feel super glamorous, right? It's not like we had some great success story, right? It's not, I don't even know where his relationship with Jesus is. He tells me he wants God, but I don't know. But I remember in those moments of discouragement, our friend Bear just talking about like, what if, the verse that Laura was talking about, Philippians 1.6, what if that like we've done a good job stewarding the seed and our job was to like water the seed and not tend to the plant and its growth. Like what if we did what we were supposed to do so that God can do through somebody else what they were supposed to do? I think for a lot of us, we think discipleship is like, I need to take 
Mike and bring him from the Mike Weber who jumped in the creek with Cody to like Mike Weber, the man, the myth, the legend, right? But like, it's not like that. It's rarely like that. It's like, I'm the person who's gonna like take someone from here and make them like Trudy was saying, the Pope, right? Like that's not been the experience, but God is so faithful, like, right? That story of that woman and her four kids in Ace Hardware a year later, that story with Justin calling us a few weeks ago, we probably have three or four more of those stories right now. Let me be clear, not everybody is just left forever, right? That isn't, that isn't always typical. But it, it got in Laura's head and in my head that like, man, we just must really suck at this. Like, is this really worth it? But when you look at the long term and you see the fruit of what God's pe- God does in people's lives in the long term, it really, it really shocks you, right? Like, I never would have thought since Jesse walked in the room, I never would have thought that meeting Jesse, you know, 12 years ago on my college campus when I should have, I wanted to stay back and play video games, that I would now be standing here with my wife, with you all, like, if she wouldn't have been faithful to make that move 12 years ago to go to this little tiny Bible study that had four people in it, like, I don't know where I'd be. I'm not saying God couldn't have used something else, but, like, I don't know where Justin would eat if we weren't faithful. Did he make choices? Absolutely. Were they the right choices? I don't know. But, like, the fact that he told us to call him the day before he got married to pray with him means God did something, right? And I think for a lot of us, we feel like the failure of you know, I asked you how many people have tried or want to try to make disciples. Some of you may have hurt or failure. If you're like, I didn't do that right, or I could have done that better, or is this really worth it? Like, right? Like, Loris, brother, is amazing. We've talked a lot about a lot of church stuff, but he's, he's told me, he said, people are too risky. I don't know if I want to risk people. And he's talking about like in a business context. Well, think about a Jesus context, how much more risky and messy real relationship is. It's not predictable, right? And so it's like, But this is the call of Jesus, is that, I was talking about this the other day with you guys, like, Jesus believes that his body is becoming like the head, right? Like, his best hope is in the body to become like him. So I think going back to the stretching is God wants to stretch us to look more like him. That may not look the same for Stephanie as it does for, you know, Melissa, right? It may look different, but it's like, how is God stretching you into this call that he has to make disciples. It was his best plan that the way for his church to put love on display was through us. And so how do we recognize that? The foundation is Jesus, the depth of his love, the call to share the gospel, and the importance of making disciples. That's what it means to be the church. That doesn't mean it's easy. I think that's why so many people look at the church and they're like, I don't want to go there. Like, psh. But it's like, man, I really believe that we're called to put love on display. And so I want to charge you today as you go home, I always think it's important to have a clear call to action that you can do instead of listening to somebody talk. I don't have a lot of value in that. But I want you to be thinking about where is God stretching you and how can you partner with it in your own life and in who he's called you to walk with. So where is he stretching you and how can you partner in your own life with who he's called you to walk with? So any last thoughts? Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. So, Brad, any, anything you want to close with? Yeah, thank you, guys. Can we uh, give them... Hmm. Well, let's all stand up, because that way I won't talk too long. Um, a few people went this week to help Tim's co-worker 
move, and uh, Adrian and I were praying about what else we could do. So we just sent Tim some money, like, from the church to just, like, do, you know, if there's any kind of things that came up, like food that needed to happen for the people who were helping move, and then just to bless her with the rest. And that was just a, guys, it was just a simple expression of love but some people being will people that don't know this girl being willing to help her and then just like this little thing uh, tim sent me a screenshot she's like who does that like the goal is not oh the antioch overflow experiment in 145 south broad street does that the goal is i think jesus would do that jesus does that there's this guy by the name of mark kemp who had a radical encounter with jesus back in the early 2000s. And he came and volunteered at this youth center. And he's like, man, there's no, there's no soup kitchen near me. There's no soup kitchen I can like, invite people to come to. And so we started the soup kitchen. And then his season of life changed. And his little boy started playing football. And he couldn't even come help with the soup kitchen. That was his passion to start. And we thought, well, what, what are we going to do? Well, we'll just keep doing this soup kitchen. And this family came in. It was the most, I'm telling you, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying, if you were trying to create the most ridiculous poster family for what dysfunction looked like, this would be the family that would be on it. Husband and wife divorced, but still like doing a lot of stuff together. Three kids, that, like their lives were just a wreck. But they started coming every week. And there's a few times there was like our little team of people who were trying to do a soup kitchen, some of our street kids, and this little family that shuffled in and out. And it was in the midst of, I remember somebody I was discipling, I was teaching about like inviting people, inviting ourselves into people's lives. Like Jesus didn't invite Zacchaeus to come to uh, a, a, a church meeting. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And I remember Wes looking at me and saying, hey, let's invite ourselves to their house. And this woman practiced witchcraft. And some of you guys know the story. But like yesterday, we saw the daughter. <laughs> and somebody just asked me a couple weeks ago, oh, what, what about Libby's family? Guys, I was, in telling that story, it took us months and just like, Having a meal. It was like not even our idea to have a soup kitchen. <laughs> like I was thinking about this. It's like we don't get to make this stuff up. We don't get to make up the epic moments. It's like somebody had it in their heart to have a meal for people who may need something in Elwood City. We tried to come around that thing. And so there was people who got fed. And one of those people who got fed, like there was a need and some people, it wasn't anything super, guys, it wasn't anything super, it felt super spiritual. What it actually was, it felt like a, a lot of junk and a lot of mess. But I started talking to the mom, and this, this mom who was practicing witchcraft had gotten pregnant in high school, and her mom made her get an abortion. And on the way home from the hospital, the mom said to her, God will never have anything to do with you now. But because she knew the supernatural was real, she got involved in other kind of spiritism. And we started praying and like just praying with her. They'd be like, sometimes they would ask, want us to pray for their cat. Sometimes we'd pray for their kids. Sometimes we'd pray for different things. And like she began to build, develop trust just because she was not a believer, but just because we were praying with her. And one day when her daughter ended up having a seizure, we got a call. And some people in this little simple church, this little house church, rallied around and came that week and cleaned out their house. And we took dumpsters of trash out of their house. We took 60 pounds of dog crap out of their house. And in the midst of that moment, this, this woman who had been a witch 
came up to me and gave me this big hug in front of her house. And she said, when we get this all cleaned out, can we start one of those house churches here? And I remember our first day was Mother's Day. And over 60 people gave their life to Jesus between Mother's Day and Father's Day because a witch met Jesus. She started inviting everyone she knew to come hear about Jesus, to come hear about this thing. And I'm telling you guys, we, it's not about us getting life figured out. It's just like I was thinking today there was a seed of something in this guy named Mark's life, and he couldn't even be the one who followed through with it. He had to be a dad. But like if we will be available and say, God, we're just going to try to follow. It's, it's about following Jesus. It's not about a list of principles or practices. So can we pray and just ask that our discipleship would not be based in the principle of discipleship, but just in the, in the person of Jesus? Because that's what I take away from this. I've seen, I know the pain. I've cried the tears. And sometimes there's beautiful stories that look like success stories all the way through. But most often, if it's the real, if it's the real gospel, if it's working in you, it's working in me. We all know we have times when we just we struggle to be able to see him clearly. We begin to move, go through motions instead of really walking with him. And our discipleship is just more than the latest prophetic words. It's just about focusing on Jesus. It's more than like, oh, this is what you should do in this. It's about following him, walking with him. So I want to invite you, uh, if you want to lay your hand on your heart, um, I like laying hands on people, and I think laying, learning to have faith for ourselves is important. But would you pray for a fresh glimpse at Jesus? Would you pray that your heart would burn for him? And Father, every child, every student, every... Every person in this room that's breathing, God, I thank you that you have, a good, you have good news for us. I think about Stephanie right now in the season that she's in and just like watching the grandchild and how important that is. And I just pray that you would pour out through her in that place. God, I think about, Lord, Lord these students who are just trying to figure out like how to get everything done and, and, and do a good job in school. And I think about Monica right now. I just look around the room and I think, God, we're all in such different places. The last thing we want to do is try to come up with a list of rules and regulations of what this would look like. But would you come and be with us? You told us, Jesus, before you left, that it was better for you to go because you would send us your spirit. And as much as we've seen before, we just recognize, Lord, we still need to know what it means to walk step for step with your spirit. God, we want more than we have before. God, I want to burn for you. I bless my friends. God, we just pray for every person that's here. God, and again, for our, our friends and family that aren't here today. God, would we, would you by your spirit draw us after you? We want to look like you. So God, any pressure that's been on people, God, we pray that the, any yoke that we've been carrying that's heavy, the Lord, you would give us the courage to lay that down and, and yield control. But thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We love you. We 
bless you, God. Thank you for Derek and Laura. We pray that you bless them and encourage them and strengthen them.